0: You're listening to The Cat Who Did a Podcast with me, Susan Romsdorf Terry, and
1: Luke Romsdorf Terry, where we read a book from the Cat Who Mystery Series and discuss it.
0: On today's episode, we're talking about the ninth book in the series, The Cat Who Went Underground.
1: Now, The Cat Who Went Underground, this was published when?
0: 1989.
1: 1989, and I'm guessing that we're still in the same realm of audiobook readers. Same
0: realm of audiobooks, but this one can be found digitally. Really? Yes, it is the first one that I have been able to find digitally.
1: Now, did you find it on Audible, or was it available, uh, say, through it, rental? or I
0: found it through Libby, uh, the local library app. Oh, wonderful. Okay,
1: well, that's good to know.
0: It's still George Goodall, and uh, it's still wonderful to listen to, but uh, but this is the first one that I have found digitally.
1: Well, great. That's a step in the right direction, I suppose. Absolutely. Wonderful. Now, uh, I see one thing here that is going to be a theme for this book, which is horoscopes.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Horoscopes are kind of the theme of this book. Um, It literally opens with the, if Quill had read his horoscope in The Morning Rampage, it would have told him this. Um, The running gag then becomes that Quill doesn't know what his sign is. which is kind of funny to me, considering his generation and how obsessed people were in the 70s and 80s, particularly, about their horoscopes. So the fact that that Quill starts to take his horoscope more seriously as the book goes on is really funny to me.
1: Now, so, what is Quill's sign?
0: It was decided he is a Gemini.
1: He's a Gemini, so the twins. Yes. All right. Now, before we dive into this, I think, as usual, we need to say that there are going to be spoilers ahead. So, again, we'll give you a moment to uh,
0: read the book. Welcome back. Thank you. So, to the cat who went underground. So, it's summer in pickaxe, and Quill is bored. Polly is out of town. Oh. She is uh, doing a librarian exchange. Huh. So, she is uh, exchanging places with a, uh, a librarian from England. Okay. Um, and... Uh, There's a commentary that apparently Polly, at least at the start of the summer, is getting the better end of the deal. They greeted her with flowers and, uh, you know, dinner invitations and everything else. And they just kind of waved at the British librarian who came to pickaxe. (laughs) So not so much.
1: The the usual pickaxe greeting. The
0: usual pickaxe welcome. The
1: pickaxe wave.
0: Um, Quill does have something to keep him busy, but it requires him going out and talking to people because Uh he now has a twice weekly column for the Moose County something. (laughs) Uh, Arch got his way and Quill decided to write the column. This is now a a column titled Straight from the Quill Pen. And basically what Quill does is he goes and he finds somebody or something interesting and he writes a thousand words on it. Okay. Okay. Um, Interesting idea, and that is, and, and that is, uh, he's he's you know we we talked about him interviewing um, the taxidermist in the previous book, right? That was a subject for a column.
1: <laughs> um,
0: we'll we'll run into several. A, a lot of times, Quill's ears will be perking up as he's going as you're going through the book, and it's you know subjects for the quill pen.
1: So it's ears perking, not mustache tingles.
0: Yes, ears perking for the quill pen, and mustache tingling for murder. Other than writing the quill pen, he has nothing to do. He's so, not working on his novel. No, I think he's given up on the novel finally. <laughs> uh, thank God. So he decides to go back where this all began two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and he packs up the cats and he heads for his cabin in Mooseville. Oh, okay. We're back to the we're back to the cabin by the lake. <laughs> um, And the summer starts off auspiciously with a dead spider in his heating and cooling unit. Mm. Uh, Introducing Quill to the summer racket that is the Glinkos, which is a network of plumbers, electricians, (laughs) and general handy people who, for a not-so-small fee, um, will come out quickly to assist with any home issues that plague the quote-unquote summer people, i.e. people who just live in their cabins during the summer.
1: And they are called the Glinkos.
0: Yes, Glinkos Glinkos are the family uh, Mr. and Mrs. Glinko. Mr. Glinko fixes Uh, cars, Mrs. Glinko runs the network.
1: I see. So as opposed to going to Kinkos, you go to Glinko's exactly. for a home repair. Precisely. Very good.
0: So it appears that the cabin has fallen into some disrepair. Um, not well, he only has been they... there
1: in two years, has
0: yeah. he? Precisely. But you'd think that they'd maintain this. You would think. Well,
1: he's had a. Lo- he's been busy.
0: Yeah, but it's part of the property of the of, of the estate. You'd think they'd maintain that. That's, Ooh, true. Where, that's where I'm going with that. True, 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 um, So not only does the heating and cooling unit need attention, but there are bird's nests in the chimneys, leaking pipes everywhere. And again, I say, question, with all the money at his disposal, why didn't Quill have someone look over the cabin before he came out here? Would have solved a lot of problems.
1: But then we probably wouldn't have this story. Then we wouldn't have this story. You're right, you're <laughs> right, you're right. You're right.
0: Um, again, but then would where, where would Glinko's service be? And we wouldn't be able to meet Little Joe as why often as we everyone- do.
1: Why doesn't all the Avengers have Iron Man armor? Well, then we wouldn't have a movie. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So Little Joe plays a big part in the story. Her name is actually Joanna, but her dad was also a handyman named Joe. So they were Big Joe and Little Joe. Hmm. Dad got brained by a tailgate a few months ago. So it's just Little Joe these days. So, Quill starts off his summer by attending a party at Mildred Hanstable's cabin. And, you know, you don't turn, much like Irish, you don't turn down a Mildred inv- invitation. You know the food's going to be good. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, and he meets some of the other summer people, including uh, Lyle and Lisa Compton. Uh, Lyle he's, and Lisa. Yes, Lyle <laughs> is the superintendent of schools, famously cranky, and a wonderful character throughout these books. Um, we also meet the mysterious Russell Sims. Russell uh, Sims. Russell Sims. I'm
1: sorry. I'm thinking of uh, there's a hip hop record mo- record producer named yes, Ru- Russell, Russell Simmons. Simmons. That's sorry. Yeah, I yeah, different. Forgot for a minute. Is like this is this a weird is a crossover. Strange, this is a
0: strange and mysterious woman. We really don't know much about her other than her name. So while he's at this party, Quill announces his idea to build an addition to his cabin because um, he's decided that uh, two rooms and two bathrooms are, are is just not enough space. Pandemonium. Uh, breaks out. Everyone is warning him not to do this. The carpenters will get half done, and then they will leave you, with, and blah, blah, blah. Everyone warns him not to do it, and he really doesn't listen. Even after talking to all of the local builders who say that they can do it for next summer, but not this <laughs> summer. I have to say, seriously, though, who decides they want, they want to build an addition and expect it to be done in a few weeks?
1: Well, someone who's clearly never owned property.
0: Exactly. Uh, but luckily for Quill, a friend of Nick and Lori Bombas is out of work due to a <laughs> chicken farm fire. It sounds funny, but it's kind of terrifying. <laughs> no, it does
1: sound But I know, te- I, I know it that it's it's a fire it's terrible it's horrible but it's just well the chicken coop burned down so i'm out of
0: work this it's- is this is a bit larger than that. We're talking about 150,000 chickens dying. Oh my god. In this fire.
1: I feel bad now. This is
0: not this is not the backyard chicken coop caught fire. This was this was the chicken plant. This is Tyson
1: uh, Farms burning down.
0: Something like that. Oh. Although I hope that their that their farms have a better reputation than Tyson. Anyway, political side. <laughs>
1: hey. Moving on. Well, we just lost the Tyson Farm listeners. There you go. Oh well. Um
0: anyway, so <laughs> this gentleman um is uh, the it used to work on the chicken farm, um, but due to the fire, he's out of work. And it turns out he can start the next day, and he's a great carpenter. <laughs> His name is Clem Cottle, and he <laughs> arrives at six a m the next day. And spends the day building a set of steps down to Quill's beach so that he, Quill can quit. You know, feeling like he's going to tumble down the uh, down the sand. And right. he does well enough that Quill asks him about doing the full addition on the cabin. Great. Nothing major, just a writing studio, an apartment for the cats, and a bathroom. Nothing major.
1: Nothing major. An apartment for the cats. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh. Well, they need their own space, of course. And to be a cat. That morning, uh, news comes through Mildred that Captain Flog, who's the owner of an antique store filled with fakes... he's Cap-
1: Captain Flog.
0: He's kind of been a background character in a couple other novels. Um, <laughs> Way back in The Cat Who Played Brahms, Rosemary Gives Quill a piece of scrimshaw with a cat's head on it. Mm-hmm. It came from Captain Flog's shop. He is a, <laughs> a famous, he is he a notorious faker, um, happily sells people horrible fakes and then disavows any knowledge of them. It's a whole thing. But he's been Fake found. Fake antiques. Fake antiques. Fake antiques. Um, yeah, but he's <laughs> been found dead. Oh no! Um, and uh, Captain d-
1: Flog, we hardly knew ye. Pretty
0: much, um, and, and so that's that's first death of the summer. Um,
1: There's going to be a lot more. It sounds like a
0: few more. Quill, um, <laughs> Quill doesn't really think about this very much. Um, he's in such a good mood with watching Clem work so responsibly and be mm-hmm. so wonderful. Quill is then convinced by Mildred to help judge the floats in the Fourth of July parade um, <laughs> by very light flattery of his new column. <laughs> Literally, they said, "Oh, I read your column every week." All they said, and he's like, "Well, that's just the best news ever. I'm going. <laughs> I'll do whatever you I'll do want. Whatever
1: you want. <laughs> what you need money here? Take take my
0: wallet. Exactly." <laughs> So after that, all seems well. Clem Coddle and his younger brother are working on the addition. Quill gets a new bike.
1: Does Clem's little brother have a name?
0: Not in the book. All right. I'm sorry. Continue, sorry. Back to Quill getting a new bike. Yes. Um, It's a trail one this time, and clearly he has gotten over his aversion to the, quote-unquote, new 10 speed from the cat who played post office. Um, He's also no longer complaining about the fact that the bike costs... A a good trail bike probably costs more than his first car. Maybe twice (laughs) what his first car cost. So he also meets... uh, uh, John and Vicky Bushland at Mildred's mm. party. John is known as Bushy, which Bushy. is the ironic, the, which is the ironic nickname because of course he has no hair. <laughs> um, so he's so he's Bushy. He's a uh, professional photographer, and when he hears Quill has, Quill has Siamese, he wants he mentions he'd like to photograph them.
1: Siamese? The oh, the the cats. Yes. yes.
0: So John Bushland wants to photograph the cats for a cat calendar because he's been trying to win this prize for years and never quite gotten it, and he thinks if he can photograph the Siamese. He can win. Um, This, by the way, becomes a running thing in the books. Quill and Mildred later share a mild flirtation while judging the Fourth of July parade with (laughs) Amanda Goodwinter. She called it off with Arch, by the way, so no wedding there. Oh. And when Quill gets home from judging the parade, uh, Russell Sims is feeding the gulls on his beach. And they have a very awkward conversation. She doesn't eat in restaurants. She doesn't read. And Quill has nothing else to talk about.
1: So that's the end of the conversation. That's the end
0: of the conversation. When he gets back to the cabin, he finds that Yum Yum has caught a mouse.
1: Ooh, good Yum Yum!
0: And and how nice of her, she drops it in Quill's typewriter uh, to show off her skills and remind him that he hasn't been writing.
1: Well, hasn't been writing, and also that's how they say they love you.
0: Sure, sure. You, mine used to just drop it at my feet. Um, <laughs> they didn't. They, they didn't drop it in my sewing box or on my knitting. Um,
1: Which is probably for the best. I
0: agree. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, after weeks of public of of, of weeks of punctual appearances, suddenly Clem stops showing up to work on Quill's edition. Hmm. Quill is concerned, but not terribly worried um, because until he attends uh, a family reunion to, of course, write about it for the Quill pen and Clem and his fiance aren't there. Hmm. We've met the you know we briefly met the fiance. Her name is Mary Ellen, um, and she's been wandering around picking up nails and stacking stacking lumber as as they've been working on this for the past couple of. weeks. So
1: she's been there helping,
0: Ex- Clem. just
1: cl- helping Clem yeah, as they're doing, bringing them dinner.
0: lunch, things like sure, that. sure, sure. That's very sweet. But they're not there, and we do uh, in the middle in the midst of all of this of so Quill not worrying about it, and he's looking for various stories to write about what a uh, what a big family reunion really looks like for the Quill mm-hmm. Pen. Another running thing is. Quill, because he doesn't have a lot of... Because he doesn't have any family, um, spends a lot of time looking at how other families work. Hmm. So Moose County is kind of famous for their big family reunions every summer. Mm-hmm. And he writes about them a lot because he's looking at all of these people and, and looking at this family structure that he simply doesn't have. So mm-hmm. it's totally foreign to him. In the midst of this, we get the start of the uh, of the pasty battle. Uh, pasty battle. But way Again, way, way back in the... Um, in the cat who played Brahms, we had the interesting conversation of the uh, of the uh, of the foo, din- of the foo diner and their giant pasties, which are filled with parsnip or uh, filled with turnip. Ah, yes. And then you have the nasty pasty, where they're smaller, uh, and filled with potato and meat and no turnip. So this uh, and there is a, quill over here. Is two old timers discussing about how one says turnip never goes in a pasty and one says turnip always goes in a pasty. Blah blah blah. Um, So the real reason that he's really here, he's here to meet uh, one of the old-timers of the family named Emma Whimsey.
1: Emma Whimsey. Who
0: has a story that he might be interested in, according to Irma Hasselrich, who's back again. uh, She is the head volunteer, by the way, for the Senior Center. Ah, yes. And that's why she keeps popping up with all of these old-timers. The story that Emma tells is how the ghost of a cat named Pumpkin saved her life three times Hmm. from a fire, a windstorm, and a burglar. Quill has an excellent rapport with the older set, and he is, as expected, charmed by the story. And he makes a point to send her flowers later, and plans to publish her story in his column.
1: Hmm. So a ghost of a cat.
0: Ghost of a cat named Pumpkin. When Pumpkin was alive, he would stick his paws under the door and to uh, to play a game with Emma. Okay. After Pumpkin died. After Pumpkin died. Um, it's Pumpkin, not Pumpkin. Um, Pumpkin. So P
1: U N. Gotcha.
0: K I N. After Pumpkin died, at these points in her life, Emma heard his paws going in and out from under the door to play the game, and he would wake her up and save her from the fire and from uh, um, the burglar
1: uh, and everything else. Yes,
0: and uh, um, hmm. save her family from a windstorm. So the they, oh, wow. uh, so the ghost of Pumpkin was doing a, was doing a great job. So Quill returns home from the uh, family reunion with, as expected, some leftover fried chicken. Mm-hmm. But Coco is missing. Oh no! Um, now this would be less of a concern if they were still in the big house, but in a tiny cabin, there are only so many places he can—so many places he can be. And Quill is very, very worried that little Joe accidentally let him out when she came to fix the water heater again. Oh, no. um, turns out that Coco snuck down behind her and got locked in the crawl space under the cabin. Ha! <laughs> huh, the cat went underground.
1: Cat went. Yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding,
0: ding. He's <laughs> dusty. He's perfectly fine.
1: Oh good. Um, good, good, and good.
0: Quill realizes that Coco has started tapping his tails three times. Tapping his
1: tail three times.
0: Yes, he'll just kind of sit there and very deliberately tap, tap, tap.
1: Okay. So the
0: mustache is twitching. Something is weird. He doesn't Mm -hmm. know what's going on. But Monday comes and there's still no Clem. Hmm. Calls to Clem's family, get the answer of he's out of town. And nothing else.
1: Huh.
0: On a push from Coco, who is parading around with his biking sock. um, Ew.
1: With Quill's biking sock. Quill's biking sock, not Coco's.
0: Um, Quill takes his trail bike out to the old Burr Road uh, and (laughs) discovers...
1: Which is actually spelled as you would think it would be. Yes. B-R-R.
0: Remember, there's an entire town called Burr, and it's the (laughs) coldest spot in the county. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So he heads out to the old Burr Road, and while he's biking around, he discovers that Clem's truck is parked not terribly far off the beaten path. Huh. Keys are in the ignition, not out of gas. Just abandoned. Hmm. When he gets back, Clem's fiance, Mary Ellen, is waiting at the cabin when Quill uh, is waiting at the cabin, and he encourages her to report his disappearance to the sheriff because something is weird here.
1: Especially if the car, yeah, you know, keys are in the ignition and exactly.
0: everything. Exactly. Hmm. Now, needing to share his suspicions with someone, he calls Roger McGilvery and invites him to dinner. They try a truly terrible new place called the Hot Spot, um, but when Roger's Mexican pork chops turn out to be some kind of omelette slathered in curry sauce, they cut their losses and head for the hotel booze. Um, <laughs> Somehow or another, during this during this dinner, um, as Quill is sharing his suspicions. Uh, Roger somehow convinces Quill to join him and Bushy and, we, and John Bushland, as we mentioned, uh, on a Bushy tri- with no hair. Yes, Bushy with no hair on a trip to Three Tree Island, which is in the middle of the lake, to look for UFO activity, <laughs> Geiger counter, and everything. <laughs> Quill is, of course, the skeptic. This is uh, such if, if, a if, small
1: mountain town thing to do. Absolutely. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: um, now, in return, Roger suggests uh, Quill suggests that Roger start looking into the disappearance of all of the carpenters in Mooseville. Hmm. Clem wasn't the first; just the latest. Uh, but despite that, Quill takes the re- recommendation of Gary Pratt, remember he took over the hotel booze Right, last right, book, right. to hire a guy named Iggy to finish the work that Clem started on the edition. <laughs> it is safe to say, by the way, that Iggy is not an improvement on Clem, oh except no. for the fact that he does show up and some work gets done on the addition for a time. But he's lazy, he requires far too much supervision. Um, and also in the time that Iggy works for him, Quill has to have an electrician, a chimney sweep, and little Joe out again to, as the plumber to work on the cabin. Hmm. And then he doesn't show up. Oh, jeez. Now, since Quill recently told Arch that he could quote-unquote cheerfully murder the guy, <laughs> this is at first no great loss. But that now makes six carpenters that have mysteriously disappeared from Mooseville. Six carpenters. Hmm. To distract him from that against his slightly better judgment, remember, Quill is our skeptic. Uh-huh. Uh, Quill agrees to meet a friend, a friend of Mildred. Meet a friend of Mildred.
1: It's a good tongue twister. It <laughs> is.
0: Meet a friend of Mildred's, who is a spiritual medium from Lockmaster. <laughs> Which is the county an hour south of Moose County? <laughs> she is, by the way, godmother to Roger and Sharon's uh, new child, uh, and warned them to move the baby's crib to a different room a day before the ceiling fell in on the room they'd moved it from.
1: Oh, so she she so may be telling she, she may be, be the real she, deal.
0: She's the real deal at least for some things. Hmm. Um, so Roger is now a skeptical believer, and Cole figures may he'll get, get get a good dinner out of the deal. <laughs> um, because Roger offers to take him to dinner at the Palomino Paddock. now. The question I have.
1: Have we seen this restaurant
0: before? No, this is new. Okay. Palomino Paddock is new. This is a very fancy restaurant. They have wine stewards. Oh, my. The people wear long dresses to go to dinner there. But my question is, Roger does not have a lot of money, so is, was did he invite Quill to the Palomino Paddock expecting <laughs> Quill to pick up the check? Probably.
1: Oh, I left my wallet in my other pants. <laughs> oh, no, Quill.
0: <laughs> exactly. So they have a very nice, fancy dinner. Oh, good. Um, and the Palomino Paddock is kind of... When people go for very fancy dinners in Moose County, they drive an hour south and they go. They go here, and once and so they go down. They have dinner, and then they pick up Miss. Uh, they they pick up the medium,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and brings her back to Moose. Bring her back to Mooseville, where she immediately starts making pronounce, pronouncements to the group of guests, and most of them are creepily accurate. Hmm. Um, finally, though, she has a message for Quill from Joy. 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 As in oh, the cat who saw red joy.
1: Yes. Telling oh, him to
0: protect his family.
1: <laughs>
0: when Quill gets back to the cabin, he finds that Coco has shredded the Quill Pen column uh, with a story about the ghost of pumpkin. So oh. Quill takes this as a sign to go visit the senior center and Emma Whimsy again. Um who he takes her flowers and she mm-hmm. thanks him and gives him some very sad keepsakes that apparently her family isn't really interested it in. It is sad. It is a little bit sad. Uh, fortunately, after this, Iggy does reappear. Oh, good. And goes back to work somewhat. Um, <laughs> it's the, the, the descriptions of of Quill trying to get Iggy to work in this book are, are honestly painful to read. I'm imagining
1: um, the, the meme you see of Patrick Starr from SpongeBob with the nail board in his yes. head holding a hammer and that's Iggy.
0: I think that's an excellent description. Um, but one day, Quill goes to a meeting of the K Foundation board uh-huh. and returns to find the cats locked in the tool shed. The tool because, shed. The tool shed. Because it turns out Icky had cut a hole for the eventual door to the extension and didn't cover it. So the cats escaped. Fortunately, Russell Sims is walking by and manages to lure them into the shed with, and get this, some fishy fritters. (laughs) Quill is (laughs) highly, highly indignant that they will take fishy fritters from a stranger, not from him. And he still is remembering the incident from the cat who saw Red where they sprayed the fishy fritters all over his apartment. (laughs) And refused to eat. Absolutely (laughs) not. (laughs) But as he's thanking her for saving the cats, she asks them if there's anything strange about the cabin that she's renting for the summer. Should be mentioned, she's renting the Dunfield cabin.
1: The Dunfield cabin. Yes, where Buck oh, Dunfield yes. was murdered. Oh.
0: Yeah. Just a um, slight thing. Just a slight thing. Um, and Quill has to tell her that some that somebody was murdered there. He, he can't find a good way to do it. She shrieks, I knew it. She takes off down the beach, and that is the last we hear of Russell. The next morning, Mildred calls Quill to say that she's moved out. She's... Just, she's just gone. She's gone. She's forfeiting her rent for the summer. She's just gone. Oh wow! Well, probably something that you probably should have disclosed because you know it's not like you know people are sensitive. People can be sensitive to ghosts.
1: Well, people could be sensitive to ghosts, but also I want to know if someone was murdered in a place we're renting. It's very true. <sighs> it is, so it's after just, that weirdness, Quill ugh.
0: heads to lunch at the Foo, which is amazingly, which is amazingly still in business. Um, the Witch Restaurant. The Foo.
1: It's still in business. still in business. Still kicking. Go figure.
0: (laughs) Um, And so he he goes to have lunch with Bushy and Roger. And then they take off in Bushy's Cabin Cruiser, which is known as the Say Cheese, for a three-hour tour to Three three Tree. A
1: three-hour tour. A three-hour tour.
0: So they're on their way to Three Tree Island, and they're going to look at possible UFO debris. Um, Debris? possibly a crash landing. The, yeah, somebody maybe? is talking uh somebody is uh report some one of a one of the police deputies was reporting to Roger that he found scorch marks and uh and small bits of debris that didn't match any of the landscape. And of okay. course he can't report that to the police to, to the police station because no. of course nobody's going to believe him. They think they'll think, no, he's think not. you're
1: just being crazy. Yeah.
0: Um but Roger is part of, again, that uh, that skeptic believer kind of thing where he wants to see for himself. Mm-hmm. So that's why he convinces Quill to go out there. And it should be mentioned that UFO activity is very prominent in these in this books, particularly when we come back to the lakes at any other time. So much UFO activity.
1: But anyway. There's a chance for so many crossovers. Exactly. With so Visitor's Landing. Oh. They...
0: Uh, so they get out there, they go to Three Tree Island, they start walking around the island uh, to, look, to try and find this UFO debris that somebody mentioned. Um, once they get to the island, Quill hears a weird whistling sound in the air that he remembers hearing before a storm before. But he dismisses hmm. it because, you know, Bushy and Roger have lived here all their lives and they don't seem concerned. Right. Oh, boy. Always trust your instincts, folks. A huge storm and a water spout capsizes the boat. Uh, and traps the three men in an old fishing shack on the island for several hours. Oh boy! Um, they left at about I'd say one o'clock. Um, they do not get rescued by the sheriff uh, until almost midnight.
1: Jeez! And
0: they're being they're in this shack that's be that manages the shack manages to get wedged among the three trees on the island, mm-hmm. um, which is the only thing that saves them from being completely washed into the lake. But they're standing in icy cold water for hours, right. uh, standing on the roof of the shed trying to stay out of the water. It's it's a very nasty, nasty day. Um, but they are rescued by the sheriff's helicopter. They're taken to Pickaxe Hospital. It should be noted that one of the things that the medium predicted was a financial loss for Bushy, and now he's lost his boat.
1: So financial, yeah. There you go. And
0: it, she then predicted excavation for Quill, which hmm. is what he'll be doing because the storm completely and utterly demolished his new edition. Oh no. It also turns out that Russell had excellent timing. The roof blew off the Dunfield Cottage in the storm. Ah. So good for her getting out before that happened. Absolutely. Now, when Quill is released in the hospital and gets back to the cabin, Iggy's truck is still in the yard. Um, It fared better than the addition, surprisingly, but Iggy is nowhere to be seen. On, again, a tip from Coco, Quill investigates the crawlspace under the cabin, and he finds a body buried in the sand. And it's Iggy. In his cabin? In his cabin, in the crawl space. Oh, underneath. no. The cause of death is a blow to the head. Ooh. Now, as Iggy's body was found on Quill's property, Quill is immediately the prime suspect for the state police. Obviously. Uh, Quill's experience as an investigative reporter has him literally calling the stages of his police interview <laughs> right up to the accusatory, Who buried him under your house? Which allows Quill to respond with the wonderful line that he has no idea, but he would have preferred for Iggy to be buried elsewhere. So while he waits for the police to remove him from suspicion, and again, led by Coco, Quill opens Emma Whimsy's box of keepsakes, which includes stories of her life. Some slightly tall tales that she used to tell her children. Um, but one story stands out to Quill, and it's called A Family Tragedy, which tells hmm. how Emma's only daughter married a man who abused her and their daughter, and that uh, the, their, her, uh, that Emma's daughter died after giving birth to a second daughter. And the older daughter cared for the baby until the baby, at the age of 12, shot herself with her father's gun. Oh my god. The father presumably had abused both girls, and Emma wrote that she prayed and prayed that he would die. And he did. He was hit on the head by a tailgate. Oh. Oh. Quill gets to confirm that Little Joe is Emma's granddaughter. Oh. And he heads out on his trail bike to try and give Little Joe, her grandmother's keepsakes. But she appears to have also disappeared. Her house got flooded out. Huh. Um Although the Glinkos say they can find her in a pitch. Hmm. Uh There's a lot of restlessness in Mooseville after the storm. And Quill gets three separate warnings to get himself and the cats out of town. Uh, Nick Bamba ends up stopping by and decides Nick uh, of Nick and Lori Baba. Right, right, right. Um, Stops by uh, and ends up deciding that Nick is going to park his camper and spend the night with a shotgun at the end of Quill's driveway to discourage any troublemakers. (laughs) Um, But before he does that, though, they decide that they're going to investigate the crawlspace again. Mm -hmm. So there are rumors that old Mr. Klingenshin buried treasure on this property. And that's why it's suspected that Quill may be the target of the troublemakers, not only because... You know, they found Iggy's body, so now Quill is, suspe- is suspected of killing the other carpenters, Someone local, which of course, but. makes no sense. But.
1: but also the fact there could be, uh, Miss, you know, Mr. K's treasure is under the, the cellar. Mm-hmm.
0: So Quill and Nick head down to the crawl space, and they discover a serial killer's hideout.
1: Oh, God.
0: Someone has been knocking off carpenters in Mooseville. Um, there are—Iggy makes six. That morning, oh. Quill calls Glinkos, and he has them send little Joe to the house for a made-up plumbing emergency. After feeding her breakfast, he ends up trapping her into a confession of the six murders, which she blames on Louise, an alternate personality likely developed when her sister killed herself and she had to deal with her father's abuse alone. Jeez. Trucks belonging to two of the victims were found in her property, and the list of victims and date are found in her lipstick colors in Quill's crawlspace. That's what I mean when I say they found a serial killer's hideout. She'd been writing down the the names of the carpenters and the dates that she killed them.
1: Little Joe had been with her lipstick. With her lipstick. Oh, jeez.
0: So fortunately, she's remanded into the care of the state. It's surmised that she's going to be getting a lot of therapy for the rest of her life. I
1: would. I hope she does get therapy, Mike. Yeah. yeah it's
0: so you know, this this murder is quite frankly very sad. Um, mm-hmm. It's the the correlation in her brain is surmised to be that because her father was a carpenter, and he was a bad man, uh, therefore all carpenters are bad men.
1: Mm-hmm. And when she
0: oh, yeah. uh, it, when she when she finds herself in Lu, in her Louise personality. Um, she is she sees Carpenter, she sees Batman, she kills. Oof. Um Jeez. The only good news at the end of the book is that Polly's coming home early from England due to a case of bronchitis. Oh good. So Quillen moves back to pickaxe and all is right with the world. Oh
1: god, there's a the, the video game that you laugh at me for playing, uh, just because I'm which very one? bad at hunting. Uh, which one? Thank <laughs> you. Uh, Red Dead Redemption oh, Two. There There's there is a side quest where you can find a serial killer's hideout, and it's legitimately one of the creepiest things I have ever seen in any medium because it is. Yeah, he's writing victims' names in like their own blood that he's it's like. It's just so. So as soon as you. Said the hideout. I just imagined that creepy shack yeah. in the game underneath the, uh, and got the chills. So, yeah,
0: God. That's, and that's what she was doing. She oh, was, jeez. they, there's a, a running thing about her lipstick. Um, she, she starts off the book in, in a very dark red, mm-hmm. which, not flattering, but you know, it's cheap lipstick, and sure, that's kind of what's handy. Um, uh, and later changes to a peach color. Mm. And that's how Quill knows it's lipstick, not blood, because he recognizes the color.
1: Interesting. That's a nice way of doing. That's an interesting way of doing it.
0: Yeah, but again, it's you know why do we, why why do women write things in lipstick because it's convenient, mm-hmm. um, at least in their world.
1: Um, no, and may, well, it makes sense because you almost you always have at least a set in your purse or. At least back in this day, you know, back in this day in yeah. the late eighties. Well,
0: and to be fair, even in my purse, and I don't wear lipstick that much. I still, ha- I actually have a lipstick in my purse if I needed to write something down. Usually, <laughs> unfortunately, I, being a costumer, I also usually have three different sharpies, five different pens, a measuring tape, at least one, and um, and probably a pair of scissors in there somewhere.
1: Oh yeah, not fabric scissors, but just, no, standard, just scissors. standard scissors, just good scissors, just because you need them. So this, we meet a lot of new people, a lot of new residents of Pickaxe in this, some that are obviously temporary, but some that are also long-lasting from what you say. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, first and foremost, we meet the Comptons, very briefly in this book, but they are running characters throughout the book. Um, Lisa is wonderfully friendly and open, and her husband, Lyle, is famously grudgy. Um, he's also the superintendent of schools, which is why he comes ah, in and out of the story so much.
1: Lisa uh, and Lyle, and We meet and Laura. the
0: Bushlands, <laughs> um, again, Bushy and his wife, Vicky. Um <laughs> We briefly meet Captain Flogg again. He's popped up in a couple of books, but he really wasn't an important character until this book where he dies. Um, the reason he's important is because he actually was a former ship's carpenter. Um, he's been backed around again, as I said, for several books, but he's found dead very early on. And at one point, it's thought he was one of Little Joe's victims, hmm. bringing her total to six. But it turns out, after checking the names, um, it turns out he actually only drank himself to death. Um, oh, only only drank himself to death. <laughs> so she really Jeez. only killed five people, and not six. Uh, we also meet the Hasselriches a little bit more thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Osmond Hasselrich mm-hmm. is Quill's attorney for the K Foundation now <laughs> that uh, and now that uh, the Goodwinter incest couple incestuousness is uh, incestuousness. Alexander and Penelope are are no longer in the picture. Osmond uh-huh. Hasselrich has taken over Hasselrich. Um, we also meet <laughs> Osmond's daughter Irma. She's uh, mm. she's the volunteer at the senior center. Mm-hmm. So she's she's been a theme where Quill has gone to talk to an uh, to an older member of the community. Uh, Irma's usually involved in getting that scheduled and making sure that he can go when they're awake and sure. things like that. So Irma's very good at her job. We also start to see things like Arch Riker really starting to acclimate to to country life. He talks about how when he was an editor down below. If he had seen a headline about a fire that killed 150,000 chickens, he'd write something flippant. But now that he's in the now that he's in the North County, he starts empathizing and seeing the amount of work that literally went up in smoke. Oh, jeez. Like I said, that's a lot of
1: chickens. That is a lot of chickens.
0: In the midst of the Fourth of July parade, one thing that they're we're starting to get a sense of the you know the annual festivals that that are held in Moose County, well, especially
1: Inn. in the summertime, I'm sure.
0: Exactly. So they're mentioning the annual Fishhook Festival, um, <laughs> the queen of which who rides in the Fourth of July parade in her formal ball gown made of camel fabric and a crown of deer antlers.
1: This <laughs> this sounds very much like where I went to college, almost as far as the melding of hunting and uh, collegiates.
0: Precisely. <laughs> Now, my sign of the times for this one is during Quill's police interview, mm-hmm. Quill is asked how much he prepaid Iggy for the day's work but the day before Iggy disappeared. His answer was $55.
1: For a whole day's work.
0: Of a professional carpenter.
1: Most days, that's it's 55 an hour.
0: Absolutely. A minimum. At most.
1: Yeah, at yeah, minimum. Minimum.
0: I mean, uh, just, wow. Um, We get a whole bunch of new restaurants Mm -hmm. Some of which we don't see again But um, some of which we do Uh, We have dinner uh, Quill takes Mildred to dinner at a place called The Fish Tank in Mooseville Which is famous (laughs) for their clam chowder and navy grog This is a fun scene with Mildred and a former student Uh, She instructs the, the Kid basically to take Quill's poorly boned fish back to the kitchen And no excuses Quill then asks her how long her influence over her students lasts, and she responds that once they've had her, they have her for life. It's the power (laughs) of the teacher. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I mentioned briefly the hotspot. This does not (laughs) fare so well. Quill orders enchiladas, and Roger orders Cajun pork chops. I said Mexican earlier, but they were Cajun pork chops. I had to go back and look.
1: I was curious what Mexican pork chops were, but
0: Cajun Cajun pork pork chops apparently make more sense. What arrives is nothing like either of those things, and Quill, in a stunningly bitchy move, takes their (laughs) plates to the host stand and tells them to warm them up and serve them to someone else (laughs) before he and Roger leave to go to the hotel booze for a booze burger.
1: Jesus yeah, that is very very wow. catty and petty.
0: Wow, um, this is also the first time we see the Palomino Paddock mm-hmm. in Lockmaster, which uh, really is the fanciest restaurant yet to be found in the North Country. Um, long dresses, wine stewards with chains, um, but all the servers are dressed as stable hands. It's, it's that rich people dichotomy.
1: Okay, so it's curly, like serving the one percent from Oklahoma. Yes. Is that
0: what it is? Yes, something like that. Um, there are a couple of moments in this book that made me kind of angry. Um, Mm. I guess there are more signs of the times than anything else. Um, Also kind of, bluntly, Lillian Jackson Braun's mentality. Uh, But there is a moment when Quill runs into Laurie and Nick Bamba out having dinner. And he talks about how well she types with one hand while she quote unquote holds the formula bottle with the other. And when she mentions that his mail has doubled since he started his new column, he tells her to quote unquote start typing with both hands. Oh, Well, Quill, now we know why you're divorced with no plans to marry and procreate. Well, Quill, Quill. Now, I have issues with this possibly because I'm the new mother of a nine-month-old. Probably, however, because I'm a woman who, who works in a support role to a bunch of equally clueless men. And the flippancy pisses me off. Bluntly, you would get nothing done without your support staff. Stop dismissing us like we're expendable. You know perfectly well that it took you forever to find Lori and you were damn lucky to find her. So appreciate the work that she's doing. And be in awe of the fact that she's still managing to keep up with all your mail. And she's doing it one freaking handed.
1: I would just also like to say it's interesting that Laurie is also uh, a real world match in your life. I'll just say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there is another uh, moment. Remember, we also have uh, Sharon and Roger who have a new child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really wish that Lillian Jackson Brown would stop writing that Roger is babysitting his own kids. Yeah. He's being a dad and staying home with them so his wife can do her work. Now, I get that, you know, he stayed home a couple of nights in a row and he does deserve a chance to go out with his friends. Um yeah and have Lori stay home with a baby one sure. night. Absolutely. Totally understand that. That's
1: it's called parenting
0: though. Exactly. And it's trade off parenting.
1: It's what you do. Well it's when we with with our daughter, at one point we did take her for an early doctor's appointment, and this is when she was maybe a month old. You'd gone off to the bathroom, I had her in the carrier, and there's some older gentleman who's like, ah, so dad's babysitting today. It's like, no I just I'm parenting I don't know what else to call it I'm just being a parent like I have my daughter she's with me my wife's in the bathroom I'm not babysitting I'm not watching I'm being a parent I'm being a dad exactly that's what you that's what it is it's not babysitting it's parenting
0: so that rant over. Um, this book also contains, as I've mentioned before, the first serious reference to what uh, the people in Moose County refer to as the visitors.
1: And these are not the aliens that crash land. These landed on the are island. the aliens. Oh, they are. They are
0: called the visitors.
1: Oh, this makes me so happy.
0: Now, there's some brief mentions by Mildred in uh, the cat who, and 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 Buck Dunfield in the cat who played Brahms, where they talk about the fact that they'd get each other up at two thirty in the morning to when there was a UFO. Um, And they had a standing order to call each other when they saw the green lights. Um, And Quill actually has a couple of these late night green light encounters over the lake. And these will continue throughout the series. Oh, this Um, makes me so happy. Especially when they go to the cabin. My my best guess is actually I think they're trying to communicate with Coco.
1: (laughs) The aliens are. The aliens
0: are trying to communicate with Coco. Which you'll see in a later book. But anyway, moving on.
1: Clearly you want to go to the superior leader being.
0: Absolutely. And
1: who else but Coco.
0: Now speaking of Coco... Cats will be cats, mm-hmm. um, which maybe have become quickly become one of my favorite things to write about with these with these various notes. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned, Yum Yum catches a mouse. Yay, this is one of her very first. Um, she notoriously will occasionally catch a mouse, but most of the time she is the lily of the field toil not neither does she spin. <laughs> as she is described. Remember, this is a very literary series, so we we get quotes like that.
1: Oh, very much so.
0: Yes. But she catches a mouse this time. Um we are also introduced to Mildred's unintended cat treats, because Mildred tries to give Quill some homemade cereal
1: <laughs> that she
0: put on a parfait at one point, and he made the mistake of complimenting, and so she sends him home with, like, a giant container of oh, it. Oh,
1: you love it. Here's here's five pounds
0: exactly. of it. Exactly. <laughs> so, but apparently the cats love it. Great. So they don't eat a lot of it, but, uh, but they'll eat it. Well, um,
1: it. It's cereal, so it seems like it's not going to go bad yeah. anytime soon, so hey.
0: Exactly. Now, after uh, the gentleman, after the men's uh, adventure on Three Tree Island, um, Bushy invites Quill down to Lockmaster uh, to his portrait studio to see if there's any chance that they can maybe get the cats photographed. Mm -hmm. The cats are not having it. They remain in their travel hamper the entire time. They will not come out. Oh wow! There's several more attempts throughout the series before it actually succeeds, but this is the first one where Bushy tries to get, tries to take pictures of them. They're not having it. They're like, nope, nope, nope. no, no, nope. no, 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 no.
1: Well, like you say, cats will be cats.
0: Cats will be cats.
1: Now, uh, speaking of cats, and we know cats have paws, uh, what is your rating for this one?
0: <sighs> I give this one two and a half paws up. Okay. The mystery is really sad in the end. And once again, we get a lot of filler as we learned about Moose County. And it's, the filler is, if you may have noticed, the uh, the last two, this, this book and the previous book, um, my synopses are considerably shorter than they have been. That's because there is so much filler that I'm literally discarding entire chapters as mm-hmm. I'm going through the uh, the synopsis because they have nothing to do with the murder.
1: Say our conversation about the book afterwards probably is running longer exactly than the synopsis. Than the
0: synopsis, um, because we are getting so much about Moose County. We are she's really world building here, and it's great world building but it's not always the easiest thing to do when you're trying to follow the mystery along. Um but fortunately there wasn't any terrible reviews on, there there were no terrible reviews on with this one. Uh, apparently the publishers uh, the, the publishers weekly reviewer felt that you could that the reader could figure out the murderer with this one along with <laughs> along with Quill. Um which I agree with but well, you know but like I said she does it differently every time.
1: No, exactly. And keeps it interesting. Absolutely. Well any other final uh, thoughts on this one?
0: This is kind of the turning point into what I would consider uh, the middle period of the books, okay. we've 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 established Quill's presence in Moose County. Uh, we're we're building the world. We are looking at everything as a resident, not a visitor anymore. We he's lived here two years, so there is there's there's less of the tourist look about things. He's still learning ab- about this about this environment, but he's- it's not.
1: Taking up residency as you say.
0: Yeah, it's 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 not the I'm the sophisticated outsider, look at these country people anymore. No, he's he's very much trying to be trying to acclimate
1: And be that country and be person be that country himself.
0: person as much as he can. So this this is kind of the turning excuse me, turning point into that into what I would call the middle period of of the series. Interesting. At book nine, um, which would make sense because there are 28, 29 books in the series. So we're about a
1: third of the way through. We're about a third
0: of the way through, um, which makes sense because there are three distinct periods um, in this particular collection. And
1: with that many books, it would make sense that, you know, you break it down so that way there's one portion of Quill's life then it just evolves into something else as more time is spent Amongst these people,
0: yes, um, and and in these books, we're also starting to shed memories of uh, the earlier of the earlier days and mm-hmm. the earlier books. As he gets more comfortable in Moose County, sure, we have less of a reference to what life was like down below all the time. Um, you know, Arch is already here, and that's the important thing that he mm-hmm. really wanted to keep. Sure, um, but we are going to start losing those those references. We've already uh, hadn't discarded Alakok right again. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> poor thing. Uh, <laughs> So it's it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of books how Quill settles in, because he's now only got three more years to live in Moose County before he's fulfilled the term of the will, and uh, all the money is his.
1: And so he could, well, in three, yeah, in three years, could go off on his own or do whatever and leave Moose County.
0: Exactly. But uh, just spoiler alert, obviously he doesn't, because then we wouldn't have these books. Well, clearly
1: not, yes, as I was going to say. But there's something that I think I'm going to miss the most about the time down below uh, that... So far, I don't think is making a comeback, and that is Odd Bunsen. I'm
0: so sorry. I'm so <laughs> it is, sorry.
1: It is all right. Just with a name like that and six kids and everything else. Yes.
0: I promise that if he does pop up in one of the later books, I will let you know.
1: I I have no doubt that you will, my dear. <laughs>
0: Well, well, wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to The Cat Who Did a Podcast. Now join us next time for the 10th book in the series, The Cat Who Talked to Ghosts.
1: Ooh. Oh, I like this title.
0: I'm Susan Romsdorf-Terry.
1: And I'm Luke Romsdorf-Terry. And until next time, happy sleuthing or...
0: Stay nosy, my friends.